great um, that you've joined us here the, this morning. You've already had uh, a welcome. I want to give you another one. My name's Simon Woodward, one of the leaders here. And just through the worship, just through the songs we've sang this morning, we heard the gospel, didn't we? We sang the gospel. We, spang, we sang about what Jesus has done for our life. What Jesus has done for you and for me. And that's incredible, isn't it? It's incredible, isn't it? It's something worth celebrating. Cool. I don't know what situation or circumstance you're in this morning or what you may face in the future, but what I do know is this. God's grace is sufficient for you. His power works best in weakness. His mercies are new every morning. He is close to those who trust in him. If you seek him, you will find him with all your heart. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is your refuge and your strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. There's more. The Lord himself is your strength and your defense. He goes before you and will be with you wherever you may go. You don't have to fear or be dismayed because he is your God and he will strengthen you. He will help you. He will uphold you. He will take care of you and supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to you in Jesus Christ. You want more? His love is unfailing, his compassion unending, his mercy unwavering. There is nowhere you can go to escape God's love. He chose you before you were born. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He decided long ago that you were worth dying for. You mean everything to him. That's why he gave everything for you. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor demons, nor angels, sorry, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow. Not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on earth below. Indeed, nothing. Nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from God's love that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know uh, about you, but I find that pretty amazing. God cares about every single detail of your life and he wants to be involved in it. It's great to start with some powerful truths from the Bible. And there's plenty more, guys. It's full of them. <laughs> and they're true no matter what. They're true despite our feelings. Whatever situation you find yourself in, there's something in the Bible, in God's written word to us, that can speak directly into that situation. But it starts with a decision. <laughs> starts with a decision on your part. Firstly, to go to it to go to the Bible, to pick it up, to find out what it does say. And then it requires a further decision to apply it, to apply it to your life. My talk this morning is entitled The Power of Decision. It's nothing special, I know, but I couldn't decide on anything else. <laughs> We're constantly uh, making decisions, though, aren't we? Some of you may have decided to switch off from me already. Have a show of hands if you're still with me. That's not many. Come on. 
Some of you may be deciding on, on, on what you're having for lunch, on what you're doing straight after this service. Or some of you making making decisions on what your coming week looks like, on what decisions you have to make in that coming week. Decisions often happen when you least expect them to. How many of you have been in an important meeting or a conversation where your attention is paramount? And then it happens. Our mind just wanders off. We're making decisions. Decisions on all sorts of things. Like what you're going to have for dinner. What you're going to have for tea later that evening. What you're going to do later that day. What you're going to do later that evening. If you had a million pounds, what's the first thing you'd decide to buy? Then there's the random ones. The ones like if you could be any superhero, who would you decide to be? And that's a big decision in itself because there's so many. And the superpowers, which ones would you choose? Which ones would you decide to have? <laughs> then what about if you were to rule the world? What decisions would you make to sort it out? I've probably shared too much of the decisions that go on in my head. <laughs> so I'll quickly move on. You can't get away from decisions though. They're everywhere. And there's been some research into this. And it's said that the average person makes 35,000 decisions each day. 35,000 decisions each day. And they start from the moment you wake up. They start from the moment you wake up. For example, do I actually get up now or do I hit the snooze button one more time? That one decision alone can shape the rest of your day because you may be playing catch-up um, as a result. Then it's what to wear, what to wear, what to have for breakfast. Do you have toast or do you have cereal? If it's cereal, which one of the five boxes or more do you decide to choose on? If it's toast, do you have white or brown, butter or marge, jam or marmalade? Then do you have tea, coffee, orange juice, apple juice, water with that? <laughs> Decisions are everywhere. And granted, these may be simple ones. And these are some that are made automatically, but it's good and it's important, in my opinion, to every once in a while think about the decisions we make, to review what we decide, to review why we decide, sorry, what we decide, to review why we decide what we decide. Take a look at the screens. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that. Any Formula One? Fans out there, you probably know what happened there. That was quite recently. And that's Lewis Hamilton and his girlfriend there. She says, that's so funny. What he does there, he's driven for McLaren all his life. From the age of 12, they chose him and he's been a driver for them. But recently, he's changed to Mercedes. What he does there as he's driving, he's making decisions um, of turning, causes, turning corners at 100 miles an hour plus. He's making them. He knows where they are. He knows how his cars do, what, what, what his car's doing. But then as he comes into a pit stop, he makes a decision without even thinking about it. He pulls into the wrong pit stop. He pulls into the McLaren pit stop and he's now driving for Mercedes. <laughs> so it's a decision that's made automatically. <laughs> Some decisions, we often do that, don't we? We make them automatically. And they may be the smaller ones. They may be the everyday ones. But I want to suggest that how you make the smaller ones are, can be an indication of how you make the bigger ones, of how you make the tough ones. So with this in mind, it's good to know why we decide, 
what we decide. The power of decision is important. It's God-given, and we need to understand that in order to make better decisions. You see, other people, they may shape your decisions. They may shape them. They may be very persuasive uh, in getting you to make a decision. It may even feel that they're making decisions for you. (laughs) But ultimately, it's you and only you who is responsible for the decisions you make. Advertising companies, they spend billions of pounds each year in order for you to make a decision to part with your hard-earned cash. They, too, are very persuasive in doing this. It can be a play on words, an emotional response, a challenge to what we've often thought or understood, possibly even believed. And what I want to say here is that is not new or even original to them because it happened right back at the beginning of creation. You'll find the story in the first book of the Bible, and that's Genesis. You don't need to turn there, and it's chapter 2 and 3, the stories there, and you may know it very well. If you don't, I want to encourage you to read it. And then if you've got any questions, get back to Leon or Dan. (laughs) It's when the enemy... It's when the devil uses God's words and he gets Adam and Eve to question, to challenge their thinking, their understanding and belief on what God had said to them only moments earlier. God had clearly said that Adam and Eve would die as a result of eating from the fruit, from the, eating the fruit from the tree of knowledge. But the devil, who is very persuasive, he plants a seed of doubt in their mind. Did God really say that, he says. And then he goes on to say, surely you won't die. We know the power of of decision that resulted from Adam and Eve in that moment was death. And that wasn't death just for them. It was for everyone else that followed. And that's exactly the result the enemy wanted. And it's still the same tactic he uses today. I don't know how you make your decisions. I find it really difficult. Small ones, medium ones, tough ones, big ones, whatever decision I have, I have a problem making them. I've also learned this week, um, just this week, never to let a two-year-old make a decision. (laughs) I was out shopping um, with my daughter, Cara Grace, and she loves Peppa Pig. It's often the first thing she says when she wakes up uh, of a morning, and I'm not making this up here. Whatever shop we go into, if there's anything of pepper pig in it, she'll find it. She'll source it out. Whatever it is, bobbles, hair bobbles, toothpaste, spaghetti, uh, magazine, and the unfortunate, they do all of those. (laughs) Pepper pig is everywhere. She'll find it out. So I was shopping with her earlier this week. And we went into the store, uh, and she goes off. She goes off to the magazines and finds a pepper pig one, and she brings it to me. And knowing how many she already has and how she doesn't bother with them, I see a pepper pig jigsaw, and I give that to her and ask her to decide. <laughs> Big mistake. <laughs> Wrong decision. And I saw some parents shaking their heads um, <laughs> as I said that. All I will say is that after eventually getting out of the store with only one, might I add, I've learnt my lesson and I'll never do that again. 
And in my role here, in what I do, um, and in being involved in Alpha and Freedom in Christ, I get to come alongside people. And it's a real privilege, a real honor. And one of the highlights for me is helping them and then seeing them make really positive decisions for their future. Seeing people decide to put God first in their life. People actually deciding to choose God for their life. And then seeing them change as a result. It's, a, it's amazing. It's a real honor. And Andy said before, we have a new freedom in Christ's course starting. It's a week on Monday, the 22nd of April, 7.30 in the community zone. The course, this course, has had such uh, an impact on my life. It's made such a difference to it. I've got something new out of it every time I've done it. And I really want to encourage you here, if you haven't done it, or if it's been a year or maybe longer since you last did it, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to make a decision (laughs) to do it again, to come along. It's going to be great. So, back to decisions. Some are huge, and the power of decision you make can change everything. It may cost you, uh, and that's why so many people don't make the tough decision, because they're scared of making the wrong decision. In their fear of making the wrong decision, they make no decision, which in itself is making a decision. Do you follow me? In their fear of making a wrong decision, they make no decision, which in itself is making a a decision. You can decide not to decide. That decision is yours to make and it's very often the one people go for. If you have your Bibles, um, we're going to look at two uh, stories in there where two very different decisions are made. The first is in Mark chapter 10 uh, and we're reading from verse 17. So if you've got your Bibles, some of you may want to get them out, some of you may want to switch them on. Joke there, no one got it. So Mark, chapter 10, I'm reading from verse 17. It says this. Jesus, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. You and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. It then says that this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And we'll stop and we'll pause there. This story story starts well. The guy involved seems to have it made, to have it all together. He's rich and he's young. (laughs) And when he sees Jesus, he runs to him. He runs to him and he falls to his knees. Something has compelled him to do that. He recognizes who Jesus is, something so many others had missed. It's a great start. But then he asks Jesus a question, and it's here where things start to go downhill fast. Good teacher, he starts with, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replies, why do you call me good? (laughs) 
No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. He then goes on to say, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. I think Jesus shows amazing grace here. He could have rebuked the man straight away. You see, the question in itself is asked out of a wrong motive. The rich man was thinking in terms of what he could do to earn uh, eternal life. But Jesus taught that it was a gift to be received. Jesus shows an amazing grace too when he answers, you know all the commandments. And he mentions some of them. But Jesus here knows it's impossible to keep them all. It's why he's walking on earth. It's why he had to come down from heaven. It's why he came in the first place. And it's why he started with, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. He's making that point straight away there. But at the same time, he wants to reach out to this guy. He wants to give him a chance. And when the rich man replies to Jesus about the commandments he mentioned, um, he shows even more grace. There's no condemnation when he replies to the guy. Because the Bible says that he looked at him and he loved him. This wouldn't be a physical hug there. It was a look. He looked and he loved him. The look in his eyes, he cared for him. He valued him. He had compassion for him. He was trying to reach him. Jesus really wanted to help him uh, in his understanding and help him make the right decision. Jesus really knows what this guy's struggle is. And he knows the decision that he's going to make. But he still tries to reach out. Jesus says, go sell everything and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Jesus doesn't say to this guy, give everything away and you'll be left with nothing. He does say, give everything away, but you'll have treasure in heaven. And as a rich man, that would have spoke to him. You'll have treasure in heaven. Jesus is still reaching out, giving this rich man a chance to make the right decision. It's here, though, we see the impact of that decision. The rich man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth, the Bible says. He made the decision to keep what he had in that moment than rather make the decision to wait for what he'd get in the future. He made the wrong decision. Sure, he kept what he had, but he missed out on something greater. You see, the treasure in heaven Jesus was referring to is the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation. But his decision to keep what he had and turn away reflected a greater Uh, a greater decision, a greater love for his possessions uh, than for Jesus and that gift of salvation. Hmm. The other story is in Luke, uh, and that's chapter 9, and it's starting with verse 1. And it's a story, again, that you may know well. It's of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Luke 19 and verse 1, and it says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. 
He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter. He has gone to be with the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, look, Lord, here I am. Now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And, I have che- and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This story, this story starts very differently. Here we have a guy called Zacchaeus who's a chief tax collector and he's wealthy. He wouldn't have had it all together though like the rich young man. You see Zacchaeus was no more than a thief. He worked for the Roman Empire collecting taxes from his own people. That's not a good decision he's made there. And what tax collectors tax collectors did was they collected the amount the Romans ordered them to uh, but then they add some on for their own personal gain so it's safe to say that Zacchaeus would not have been popular in fact he'd have been disliked and being a chief tax collector sort of escalates it doesn't it (laughs) the story says that Jesus was passing through Jericho and Zacchaeus wanted to see him he wanted to catch a glimpse of him But he had no prior knowledge of who Jesus was. And he wasn't planning on meeting him. And if he did, he wasn't planning on falling to his knees like the rich young man did. The story says that Zacchaeus was a short man. And with a crowd that had gathered, uh, and with him being so unpopular, it would have been impossible for him to get through, to catch that glimpse of Jesus. So what he does is he runs ahead. He runs ahead of the crowd and he climbs a tree, climbs a sycamore tree in order to get that sighting of Jesus. And it's then when Jesus reaches that sycamore tree, when he reaches that spot where Zacchaeus Zacchaeus is, he looks up. He looks up and he calls his name and he gets him to come down immediately as he wants to go and spend time with him. He wants to go to his house. I can imagine Zacchaeus here. There's a huge crowd and he's very unpopular, but Jesus acknowledges him. He reaches out to him. He shows him amazing grace too. Zacchaeus, he can't get down the tree quick enough. The story says that he's short, but I actually think Zacchaeus might have grew a little bit taller in that moment. You see, at this moment now, he's standing next to Jesus. So you'd want to stand tall, wouldn't you? (laughs) And then it says that um, he goes, uh, and he goes to Zacchaeus' house. And as he does that, I think Zacchaeus is walking there with Jesus, thinking he's the guy. See, Jesus acknowledged him. Zacchaeus knows he's probably not worthy to be in Jesus' company. And the crowd are certainly not happy with that decision. But Zacchaeus embraces it. He's enjoying the moment and they go off to his house. It's here that Zacchaeus 
gets a revelation of who Jesus is. And the next decisions that are made by him, they're huge. Where the rich young man put his possessions first, Zacchaeus realizes the importance of putting Jesus first. Look, Lord, he says, here and now, I give half of my possessions um, to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, (laughs) which he did, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus makes a decision not only to give back what he's stolen, but four times the original amount. And this was required, required by the law um, of Moses. Um, you'll see that earlier, when if anything was stolen, you had to pay uh, a greater amount back. It's a decision, though, that would have possibly bankrupted him. He'd have been left with nothing. It's a tough decision, but it's the right decision. And he makes it. He makes it because his values aren't in his possessions anymore, but something greater. Someone far greater. It's Zacchaeus. It's here where Jesus says to Zacchaeus, today, today salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus might have felt unworthy, but that's why Jesus came, wasn't it? The Bible says that, to seek and to save that which was lost. Hmm. And as I come to an end of my talk, I want to finish strong. And it's my prayer this morning that you recognize the power of decision. It's yours alone to make. No one has the power to to make decisions for you. It may feel as if they do, but that's often a decision you've made to let them. It's only your decision to choose whether your day is going to be good or whether it's going to be bad. Whether you're going to be a victim or a victor. You have the decision not to let negative people affect you. They don't set your mood. You do. (laughs) People will hurt you. But you have the decision not to keep letting them hurt you. You have the power of decision to forgive them, to move on, to not live in it. Your past does not determine your future unless you decide to remain in it. God is in control of your future, the Bible says. But that's a decision you have to make to trust him with that. And trusting God, it comes down to making a decision every day to believe what God says is true and then live accordingly to it. The power of decision is yours to make. God will not force you to do something that you don't want to do. But when you decide to involve God, he promises to be with you. (laughs) You see, he's intimately concerned in your life and he has a plan to prosper you to give you a hope and a future the power of decision that resulted uh, from Adam and Eve is death but because of what Jesus did on the cross the decision is now ours the decision is now yours to choose life God sent his son Jesus to reverse the decision that Adam and Eve initially made God made a greater decision. He made a greater decision to send his son Jesus to pay the price for our wrong decisions. He didn't want his children to die anymore. So he put death on Jesus in order that we may live. John 3.16, you probably all know it well. It says this, For God so loved the world 
that he made a decision. I've added that. That he gave his son, his only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That decision has been reversed, guys. God's done that for us all. We can now choose to have life. The power of decision is yours. God gives you that decision and it cost him everything in order for that to happen. Like I said, Jesus died so that we don't have to. And right now, I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision, to accept what Jesus did for you and to put your trust in him. I may be speaking to the converted here and that's fantastic but the gospel is still the good news isn't it and we still need to hear hear it regularly because it's still a decision that we live in it regularly and then if we live in it it's a decision that we should make to live out we should want to share this guys we should want to tell Jesus about we should want to tell everyone about what Jesus has done for us what Jesus has done for you so right now I want to give an opportunity for people in here to possibly make the most important decision of their life. It's the greatest decision I've ever made. <laughs> and I want to give you that opportunity. If you want to close your eyes and we'll pray. There's an amazing future in store for those that have done this and for those that do do this. Like I said, it's the greatest decision I've ever made in my life and I know it will be the same for you I said earlier that God decided to love you he chose you before you were born he decided long ago that you were worth dying for you mean everything to him so he gave everything for you you're not here by accident this morning you're not here on earth by accident at all your life has a purpose God has a plan for every single one of you. And right now, if this has spoke to you this morning, like I've said, I might be speaking to the converted here, to people who have already made that decision, but I want to give the opportunity. God may be speaking to you. You may be feeling something as I've been spoken. This may be really resonating with you. As every eye is closed and we're concentrating on God here. If you're feeling you need to make that decision, I want you to raise your hand quickly so I see it, and then we're going to pray. If God's speaking to you, if it's a decision you want to make in your life, let me see your hand quickly, and then we'll pray. this guys this means that you've made the decision (laughs) that we're all converted here but there just because you've made that decision it doesn't mean it stops at that life's about a journey of making decisions and right now as we head back into worship God may be speaking to you about decisions that you need to make in your life. Some you need to let go and some 
you need to pick up. This here is your opportunity. So why don't we stand? Why don't we head back into worship? Why don't you think about what decisions God wants you to make? What you can pick up and what you can let go. The ministry team are here to stand by. To stand with you and pray for you for the decisions that you may want to make. But this moment is for you and God. And I want to let him first speak into some of the decisions that he may want you to make. And as, as we worship, as we sing, I'll come back with some further thoughts. During this time, it's, a, it's an opportunity to surrender some of those um, decisions over to God. It's an opportunity to let God speak into some of the decisions that you need to make. On your notes there, I put it's an opportunity for you to decide some things. And if you need help with that, you can decide to push into God more. You can decide to give him everything. You can decide to live in the victory that he came to give you. You can decide that you are more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you. That you are the head and not the tail. You can decide that you are chosen. You can decide that you are loved. And that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You can decide that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. This is your, this is truth, but your decision to believe it. And by making that decision, you then decide not to do some stuff. You decide not to live with fear. You decide not to live with worry. You decide not to live with inadequacy, not to live defeated, not to live with pressure, not to live with condemnation, not to live with feeling worthless or feeling like a failure. The power of decision is yours. And as we continue to, to sing, to give our worship to God, to surrender some of these decisions, they're yours to make. And the ministry team, like I said, they're going to be here. They want to stand with you. Some of you may be facing some really tough and difficult decisions. You may be in illness. You may be fighting something and it's a battle. But unfortunately, you have a decision there. Whether you're going to do that or not. And God says when you make that decision when you hand it over to him, that he is with you. He promises to be with you. So as we continue, as we continue to sing, as we continue to worship, let's surrender. Let's surrender some of the decisions that we need to make and some uh, we need to let go. it's my prayer that at this moment that you've made some decisions and it's about every day making that decision it's about every day making a decision to choose Jesus <laughs> the Bible talks about putting on Christ it's a decision that we make 
And I do this every day. I start my morning and I wake up saying, Jesus, this is yours. I decide to give it to you. I get up usually about seven and by eight o'clock, I have to make that decision again. (laughs) And then by possibly 10 o'clock, I have to make that decision again. But the important thing here is that I make that decision. It's your decision to make. And as just God continues to speak and as God continues to do some stuff, we're going to finish. We're going to celebrate. And we're going to thank God for the greatest decision of all. So let's celebrate.